We are in James chapter 1, looking at verses 12, heading towards verse 18. Uh, there's some interesting things here. We're going to see uh, the people of, that James is writing to, we're going to see in these verses, are, have some false doctrine. They have a misapplication of where the temptations and trials come from. Uh, it's something I think we all kind of know instinctively, being in the, the Word of God, being, uh, you know, if we say Protestants, uh, but yet it's easy to slip in and take our eye off of the the blame for sin, the origin of sin, which is our own sin nature. And then as we look at culture itself, <clears throat> if you don't have a, a biblical foundation, you don't, you don't have a, a Christian basis, you're going to be able to find and blame. If you assume that you're fine, you're perfect, and you are born without sin, you're born in a perfect state, and then any problems you have has been a corruption that has occurred because of parenting, because of schooling, because of culture, because of all the bad things and the bad people and situations that have happened to you. Maybe even if there's a God, it's his fault. Uh, and now you admit, yes, I've made mistakes, but it's always some other reason. Uh, this is going to kind of drive home the point, uh, and it's interesting, James is addressing the believers that are most likely Jewish believers that have fled Jerusalem, fled Israel to Syria, it, I'm assuming, around 45 AD, and they are going through trials and tests. The tests and trials that they're going through, and we should keep this in mind, are probably a social and a financial. They're in a a, a, they, they've, they've uh, accepted a doctrine that Jesus is Lord, and so they've been separated from their Jewish culture. Uh, they then had to flee persecution, and so they're in a different society. They're in Syria. And because of their losing their cultural position, being in a different society, they're suffering financially. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're facing all kinds of trials. And, tests. and James is saying, consider it all joy, because... This is going to force you to mature. This is going to force you to trust God, and God is going to do a work. He's going to form a character. Uh, the basis of your nature, your character, you're going to have to mature, and you're going to develop righteousness and ways of dealing with things, not going to be the worldly ways with retaliation and, and evil and, and violence and insult, uh, you know, bad words. You're going to be able to grow and maintain God's nature in this fallen age, in 45 AD, in Syria, uh, with righteousness of, of continuing to be or learning to be just and fair and maintaining the fruit that God wants to produce even in this fallen, fallen world. Well, one of the things is uh, they're facing these temptations. Uh, the word in chapter, earlier in chapter 1, it's the same word. It was translated trials. They're going through trials and tests. But that's the same word used in these verses today to translate the word temptations. It's a test. But it can also be a temptation for you to then respond in an evil way. The, the, the point that's going to be made today is this t temptation, the desire to respond with evil, is in your own self. It's, it's, you're being tempted, you're going through a trial, and you're being tempted to respond from your own sin nature. We can just say sin nature. Now, there's another whole conversation. Sin nature... Uh, which uh, appears in Scripture, which I support, and people, you can go back and rehash all this and redevelop the theology, uh, or re, you know, try to recreate and follow how it developed. This is the idea that everyone is born in sin, that you are a fallen creature when you are born, you're in need of redemption at the point of conception, according to Psalms, as David's writing in there, uh, you, you, you need a Savior. 
because you are of a fallen race. When Adam fell, all humanity fell. We're all doomed. Which, I mean, it's a, it's a radical thought, uh, not, not scripturally, but before God, all mankind is condemned. I mean, you are a part of the human race. You are born condemned. Uh, John 3.16, you know, he who believes is going to be saved. He who does not believe is condemned already. I mean, it's not like if you reject Christ, you're going to be condemned. No, you are condemned. If you accept Christ, you're going to be accepted. You're going to be redeemed through Christ. But if you reject Christ, don't worry. Nothing's going to change. It's like you haven't made the greatest mistake of your life. The greatest, worst thing that could happen to you is you were born human. You are condemned from conception, from birth. So it's just played out. That's where you are. That's who you are. But you could make a change. You could accept Christ and switch your human destiny. But if you don't accept Christ, your human destiny hasn't changed. You're condemned. I mean, you didn't make the mistake and fall into sin. You were born in sin. You live here. You dwell here. You're going to end up there. But for Christ, you can be redeemed. So that's kind of an interesting idea. It's like instead of everyone's okay and we're all going to heaven except the really wicked people that fall into sin, everyone is in sin, and only through Christ can you be brought out of sin. And so that is the ideal of the sin nature. Now, that is just your nature. You are born in sin. Now, because you're born there, you've got this evil desire, this evil tendency. From this sin nature, you're going to produce your own personal sins. And, you know, the things, the decisions you make, the violence, the the poor character. Now you're going to produce sin. So you have a sin nature that you're just born with, but then you also are going to produce sin and violence or missing the target of God's standard uh, from that position. Now, that is kind of biblical understanding. Now we're going to read through, uh, and James is moving through the information very quickly here. Uh, James chapter 1, we're in verse 12 today. I'm going to read in the NIV up to verse 12, say up to verse 16. Oh, I'll probably go up to verse 19. So here we go, NIV chapter 1 of James. I know you've heard it before for several weeks. Uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It's not a joy that going through the trials but by going through these trials you're going to develop some character some perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything now i want to point this out as we go by you're going to you're 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 starting off without character you're going to persevere and you're going to start to build and head to this destiny of being complete in our, our verses today we're going to see sin is going to give birth but when or is going to be given birth to but sin itself is going to have to develop before it produces death because you can have that misstep that sin and it's wrong you need to confess it you need to regain your position and not regain your position in christ but regain fellowship with christ by coming back into the light but it's that sin that is we're going to see is going to develop it's going to actually mature it's going to reach completeness and when that happens death sets in now again we're born spiritually dead because we're separated from christ and we are going to die physically which is the result of the sin nature we're born in everyone's going to if you if you wonder well i don't think man has a sin nature i think everything's fine well biblically the reason you die physically is because of sin i mean it's like you may be saved in christ but you cannot 
overcome the fact that you're born and the human race is in sin. You're going to have to be brought out of that with the resurrection. But nonetheless, I wanted to point out here that perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so you're going to have to persevere and you will develop a completeness in your character. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given him. If this, through this process you don't understand something, ask God for insight. Wisdom can be combined with the ideal of the Spirit and he'll give you insight into this process of growing. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You've got to commit to this and if you have trouble, ask God to reveal it to you and he'll continue to show it to you. But if you're going to say, well, I trust God, but I'm going to live like the world, you're going to be going back and forth and you're never going to make progress. And Ian, you've got to believe uh, our lives have spent time in there. I'm asking God, but I'm really just living like the world, hoping God brings me. But it's like you've got to pursue this and trust God. But imagine all of Christendom, how many Christians are committed to Christ. I trust Christ. I'm a Christian, but I'm going to live like this. Well, you're double-minded. You're, you don't think you're ever going to receive anything from God. You're not going to grow and gain understanding if you keep explaining things from the secular humanistic worldview or whatever the false philosophy is in your culture. Um, he is a double-minded man and unstable in all that he does. The brother, and now this is what we talked about last week, the brother in humble circumstances, we go back to this, they're financially oppressed, in, in humble circumstances, ought to take pride in his high position. Because God is working, even in that low position, you've got to go through these tests and trials, and these tests and trials are going to cause you to grow and mature. So you may be low in the physical world, in, the, in culture, but you're maturing spiritually. Look how high you are, in a sense, in the kingdom of God or in your character. So the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. It's comparing two positions. The, the brother in humble circumstances in the natural world should focus on the fact that you're exalting yourself or you're being exalted in the kingdom of God as you're maturing. Look at the high position you're attaining. We're not saying this position is important or is exalted. It's saying this position is producing spiritual growth. So focus on what's happening in your life. You're going through tests and trials and you're overcoming. This is what you're looking This is eternal. This temporal position is passing away. You're not going to be eternally poor. You're not going to be eternally oppressed. Use that to grow, and you're going to be eternally exalted with your growth. So take pride in what's happening to you. Get excited about this. But the one who is rich in this temporal world should take pride in his low position, which is just the opposite. You're rich. You've got everything you need. You can solve all your problems with connections and, and finances and all of the things that you've got going for you. You don't need to rely on God. You don't need to trust god for justice or live righteously you can just go off and oppress your opponent you can just go ahead and work the system and and be unjust and get what you want today it's like okay you you're working all your problems out yourself you should take pride in your low position because when you cross into eternity you're going to have no growth if you even have if you're even born again it's possible that person again we talked about last week is that person born again that's going to have no spiritual growth or is that person not even accepted Christ? You're born with a sin nature. You dwell and, and thrive with a sin nature. And you're going to die in your sin. And you've got a very low position in eternity. Yeah, but I had everything in the world. Right, but you better focus on eternity. You're going to have nothing. Uh, the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. Because he will 
Four things now pass away like a wildflower, for the sun rises with scorching heat, withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. There's four things taking place. It's the natural process. What is happening in the natural world? Well, look at a flower. The sun is going to rise, it's going to scorch, he's going to lose his beauty, and it's going to pass away, and you don't have anything, eventually it's going to be forgotten. That is you, the rich man, in the world. Now, we're not saying rich is bad and poor is righteous. This is the tendency. The rich man can do these things. The rich man can also humble himself and come to God and grow, even with his wealth. We've, we see that also. This is the, the, the typical example. And then he says, in the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. And re- look at that phrase, he goes about his business uh, that means he's going to still be active, pursuing all he pursues, solving all of his problems. And even as he's solving his problems, the clock <laughs> is ticking. You are, pa- I, yeah, I'm still working, I'm still working, I'm, solving, I'm still making deals, I'm still traveling. And that's going to be coming up later in the book about the, the businessman who travels and has his, today I'm going to do this, tomorrow I'm going to do these things, and plan without submitting to God. It's like, you should be careful. You should not make your plans without going to God. And that's what the, this is going to pick up later in the book. That's why this book continues to build in the same direction. Is this rich man is going about, he's busy in his, it's like, no matter how busy you are, no matter how many things you can do to solve your problems, the clock is ticking, the sun is scorching you, and you will soon pass away, even in your busyness. You're just going to just busy yourself off into eternity, and it's over. So be careful. You should take pride in your low position. In other words, look at that and say, I need to get right with God. Okay, verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, we talked about the five crowns that we can pick out of Scripture. If that's an accurate description of them, I, you know, we went through them. I gave you some very precise descriptions of them. They seem to be crowns for different things that are accomplished in the Christian life. Uh, this crown, and it doesn't mean there's just five. It could be that's the only five that are mentioned. It may be that they're all just synonyms for the same crown. It may be crown. It's not even talking about a crown. It may be just symbolic for some, you know, ex- you know I think it's an actual manifestation of a, a reward that God is going to give. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. So standing the test, this test that James is encouraging his people to do, to not, not collapse and go the way of the world and start you know, burning fire with fire or fighting fire with fire or retaliating, being unjust to get your, your case solved, but to grow in righteousness, to rejoice in your trials that you're maturing. If you can do that, you're going to receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, chapter, chapter 1, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires, he, it's your own responsibility, your own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. We'll talk about those words. Those are hunting and fishing terms. When then, here's a sequence. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, or full grown, there I said before, talking about when perseverance has finished its work, it's going to produce maturity and completeness. Here, when sin uh, gives, uh, or desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, you may have a sin, 
but that sin is going to have the opportunity to grow and develop and produce. And when it produces, when it starts to produce, it's going to give birth to death. And so it's not, it's not necessarily in that, we'll go back and look at this, it's not you sin, boom, you're in death. I mean, again, going back to the whole theology, you're born in, you're born in the sin nature, you're born into death. But this sin that you're producing is going to have to have a time of actual growing and producing, which helps explain some verses in John, is the one who continues to sin is, is not born again. It, 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 we, but he also says, no one can say, I have no sin, because that's wrong. Everyone's got sin. But then he says, the one who continues to sin cannot have God. It's like, what's he saying? The ideal is, everyone is going to, because of our human nature, is going to sin but you need to keep making that self-correction, confessing your sin, coming back to the light. We're all going to step into the darkness, ah, this is not where I'm supposed to be, and come back here. But if a person steps in the darkness and feels comfortable and continues in the darkness and you continue, that's different than the person who steps into sin, recovers, slips into sin, recovers. Again, I, that, we need to go look at First John, but understand that kind of, like, I'd like to spring off and tie that into there. If that makes sense to you, if it doesn't, uh, I, I apologize. Uh, but each one who is tempted when he, by his own evil desires, and he, he is dragged away and enticed, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now here's the verse. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us, here's another birth verse, to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now notice, and we'll go back and look at this in more detail. In verse 15, uh, sin, a desire has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. But don't be deceived, that's not God's way. God is good, God is perfect. He's not tempting you. He's not the source of your, your sin. He's not the source of your evil desires. He's not, not even the source of the temptation. Ah, I'm drawn over here, this must be God. That's not God. God is in a completely different uh, sphere. He's, he's in complete righteousness. He does not even understand the evil that you're dealing with. So when you're tempted by evil, don't look at God. He goes, I, I don't even see that. I can't even smell that. That's, I don't, I, it's not me. And I will talk about that. But now, what God is doing, uh, he is giving us birth through the word of truth. You're now, you can take in the word of truth, or that word of truth is giving birth to a new nature in you, and you're producing, it says right here, that new nature, a kind of first fruits that he's created. So there is, you can take sin and develop sin and produce death, or God has caused you to be born again through the word, and you can stay in that word, that james is talking about and you can continue to grow and be a type of first fruits which is exactly what he's talking about persevere and let that word work in you and start producing fruits of righteousness if you say no no god is tempting me and now you got false doctrine and once you get false doctrine you can't exp- it's like a false philosophy you can explain all these things that's what's dangerous about me teaching you you understand I start teaching, and if I'm wrong, and we start building this categorical system of explaining how the world works, and it's wrong, well, it's not going to work. It's just going to lead you into more false understanding and false application, and eventually darkness and confusion. So, I mean, that's why you've got to have, I'm teaching the Bible, you've got a Bible, and you're listening. And that goes for everybody who stands up and explains the Bible. Uh, the Bible is, and again, you, you need to 
do some kind of approval, uh, dokimazo, test for approval of the Word of God. And I, a lot of times, we, Tony and I were talking about this weekend. We talked about several things as we were driving. Uh, a couple times. We actually talked a couple times. It's like, no. <laughs> imagine, imagine us driving down the road, and who's doing the talking, do you think? Who's doing the driving, trying to figure out, make sure we're staying on the road, going to the right place, following the map on our GPS, and who's waxing elegant on philosophy and the problems with the world and all the answers to the world? Who's driving, do you think, following GPS, and who's philosophizing in the front seat? That's right. I am the driver of the car following the GPS, trying to get from point A to point B, and Tony's over there waxing elegant on whatever. No, I'm the one talking, and, 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 and it's like, yeah, so... Poor Tony, have, have, poor Tony, and that's why. And she and she does drive. It's not, you know people make fun of women drivers. Yeah, that's maybe that's true in some worlds, but in in our world, uh, the person that ends up going, wait, I have no idea where I'm at, and pulls off because they were talking and driving at the same time, is me. So guess what? I sit and philosophize, and she has the GPS, and she's the one driving, moving through traffic because. When I'm driving, we might be going down interstate, and as I'm talking, go, it's like, you know, you're going 50. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just slow, because I'm, I'm, I'm in a completely different dimension, you know, thinking. So in our case, the best driver in the family or the house is the woman, the woman driver. So make fun of women drivers, but I can't make fun of my woman, because uh, she has never, like, just got lost totally, so... Uh, okay nonetheless that's not in that james is not talking about anything like that i'm not sure how we ended up there oh me talking for some reason (laughs) i think i was warning you that false okay we're talking about false doctrine right here okay and that's verse 16 do not be deceived my dear brothers and they have got a false doctrine we'll look at that and if they have that false doctrine it's actually we'll look in the greek it says stop being deceived they are actually saying this they are actually saying god is tempting me this is God. It's like, you're, you've got, no, you're completely wrong. You're not taking response. Basically, they're not taking responsibility. All these troubles, we're going to have to, well, they, they may be going like, uh, there was the group of the, uh, the uh, zealots and the Sicarii were the, the, the swordsmen or the daggermen of the zealots. And they were like, they are trained assassins, the Sicarii. And they would get like, even like in Jesus' time, you had the zealots that were trying to cause commotion in the, in the Jewish community to cause an uprising against Rome. And they'd actually go into crowds of Sakari, and they were trained professional assassins that could just move through and, and kill a couple people in the crowd or a, a you know, large volume of people. And no one knows what happened. They're just dead. There's assassins. And there must be the Romans, but it's actually the Jews stirring up the Jews to rebel against the Romans. And that would be an example of thinking, we're oppressed in Syria being driven out by the Jews, we need to fight fire with fire. God is doing this, and we need to rise up and fight back. It's like, just like Judas Maccabeus did. And, and it's like, and Jesus saying, no, wait, 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 calm down. God is not tempting. God is not saying, I need more violence in the Jewish community. He's not saying, I need you to become unjust, to pay back injustice with more injustice. He says, God is not tempting you. If you go that way, you're going to go into sin, and if you continue, you're going to give birth to death. But instead, he has given you new birth through the word of God. You have the ability now to rise above the sin nature, not just by pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but you've got the, the, the word of God, the eternal word of God giving you birth, has given you new life. 
We talk about the sin nature. You now have new life. You still have a sin nature, but you've got another nature born of the word of God that if you'll pursue this, and you're going to have to endure, you're going to have to stand strong, persevere, and you will rise above. You may not become the richest person. You may not even overcome all the obstacles, but you're going to develop a character and a trust in God that is going to last for all of eternity. So this is what we're talking about. And that's what it says right here. Uh, do not be deceived, my dear friends. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, meaning coming out from another dimension into this dimension of darkness, who does not change like shifting shadows. We'll talk about that. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, and that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. You're supposed to be growing and producing God's nature in this world, not going back and fighting fire with fire. Then verse 19 begins, uh, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous, righteous life that God desires. It goes right back to the same theme. You need to shut your mouths, stop talking, and in context here, stop arguing with the oppressors, shut your mouths, be silent, and just start doing what is right. God has not called you to be angry about everything. Just live your life, live a righteous life uh, that God has desired. Uh, and then he says, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God that is planted in you. Again, do you want to embrace this sin nature and produce death? Or do you want to humbly accept the word of God that gave you the new birth and start growing in life? I mean, is that what you want to go play with the world and, and win the battle of the world? Or you want to say, okay. I've got a new birth from another dimension. I have the spiritual life of God. I'm going to pursue that, and I'm going to grow in righteousness. You may not be accepted by the world. The world may still oppress you, but you're going to grow in another dimension and accept the word of God that has been sown in you. And so you can see the theme, as, and again, you don't have to agree with this, but we've been talking about it. The book of James isn't just a series of just catchy little sayings. I've even said, go back 20 years, it seems like James, who was the pastor, the, the head bishop in jerusalem it just maybe he's got he's, he preaches i would assume teaches every week or a couple times a week that he just takes all of his you know best hot cuts from his sermons and condenses them all into one book just little snippets from his sermon little and people present it that way it's like a book of wisdom this is a good saying this is a good saying and it's just a bunch of little catchy sayings that are useful uh but at the same time i think as, as we began this as I look at it now, it seems like there's a, a constant theme running through this that he just keeps cycling back and building on, and it deals with, you're oppressed, you're going to have to choose righteousness and not the way of the world. This is going to lead to growth. This is going to lead to more of the way of the world. Do not go here. Stay here. These people have another issue that they're going to have to deal with. You are up here. So anyway, that's kind of, I think you can just see that just cycling through as he keeps building on this. Okay, here we go. We're in the notes now. And I want to point out a few things. Uh, page 1, James chapter 1, verse 12. This is right, I just cut and paste this from last week's notes. Uh, you've got your Greek box there. The word endures, hupomone, which means to endure, to stand after everyone else has given up and gone home. You're standing there continuing, which is the Christian life. It, it's not easy. It's, it, it's not presented as being easy. You need hupomone, endurance. Uh, it's not like you endure and then it gets better. It's like you endure and you get stronger. It, it, the situation may even get worse, but you get stronger and you're being tested. And it says, uh, endures trial and because, uh, excuse me, 
Blessed is a man who remains steadfast, hupomone, under trial. And do look at that word trial. You can see per, para, parasmon. Now that word is going to come up again in our verses. This is now being translated trial. It's going to eventually be translated today in our verses we're looking at as temptation. Same word. I'll have it circled or squared. A stand, stand, hupomone, under trial. For when he has stood the test, or he has been dokimazo, uh, tested, tested for approval, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. And the ideal of those who love him, we say, well, everybody loves God. Okay, I, you can play that card if you want to, but let's try to make a distinction. Those who love God are the ones who are going to be re- able to recognize the world as not being the same system as the word of truth. Those that love God are going to be those that can see that this is darkness and this is light. You've got, it's so hard in our culture to use the word love. Those who love God, it's like, oh, I just feel so close to God. I just, I love the Lord. It's like, okay, you sound like you're talking about a boyfriend. Um, what we're talking about here, love, is, is, is that self-sacrificing. You're committed to this, this, uh, this covenant. This, like even in marriage, you love your, your, you know, your partner. I love my wife. It's like, okay, there may be, we're friends. You know, I like being with her. There may be that, you know, uh, infatuation, whatever. But the idea there is there's a covenant. You have a covenant. We have an agreement that she can count on me. Not she can't not count on my emotions. Maybe she can, maybe she can't. But we, she has a piece of paper, if you would, a contract that we are in this. So that if you love God, he's promising you, I will give you the crown of life if you love me meaning when you look at the world say no i do not have a covenant with the world my covenant is here again you may feel especially if you understand that you were saved from the fires of hell you and and god created you and god wants what's best for you you may have and you should have some kind of emotional connection to the lord but that is not necessarily the ideal of love love is you have a contract. I am committed to this program. I love this. And the word love is really, it's almost dumbed down in English. It means, uh, the Greek word eros would mean some kind of a relationship between like a man and a woman. Eros, we're attracted to each other. Phileo would be friendship. You're like, we're friends. But love, agape, is that self-sacrificial. It was whatever it cost me. I'm going to turn my back on the world, and it may cost me, but I am going to be committed to this covenant. How does that make you feel? Miserable. I'm losing. I'm going to have to use hupomone. Hopefully, Tony wasn't hupomoning all the way down to Kansas City and back this weekend where she was just enduring enduring standing the test she was hopefully in some kind of phileo some kind of uh, you know get a little eros going going there it's valentine's weekend but it's like i hope it was it was some kind of a love or that she had love obviously but it wasn't just she was not just counting on well what's this a a a, a, just so beautiful but in this case as a christian it's going to end up being tests and trials you're looking to the future but you're going to be well talking about tests and trials okay so that's enough of that because we talked about that last week. Okay, chapter 1, verse 13. Let no, one, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Notice right there, I've got, uh, I got squared in the Greek right there, the word 
per, perazomenos, which is a form, it's the, a verb uh, form of the word that is also underlined, perazome, which is I am being tempted, and also underlined in the, the second line is unable to be tempted, and also underlined is peradze, which means tempt. So you've got being tempted, I am being tempted, able to be tempted, and tempts, all the same word, translated some form of tempt. Go back to chapter 1, verse 2, that word is translated trials or test. Same word. It's just the context. This is a test. This now is a temptation. So th- this is the problem that they are saying. He's trying to work them through, encourage them, because they appear to be going the way of the zealots, the way of the Sicarii. We're going to go back and we're going to fight our way out of this. We're going to resist the oppressor, burn it down or whatever. And he's saying, no, 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 no d- d- you're going this way. He said, well, God want, no, God, that is, God is not leading you into this. This is your sin nature fighting fire with fire you're in a fallen dark world and so your darkness in you wants to go here and it's going to match you have been born again of the word of truth you're being called to endure and rejoice in your low position here because you're going to a higher place you're leaving this dimension the very fact that you look at this and you can go this way means you're on the right track but others are saying no 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 god is tempted god wants us this way he says that that's impossible he says uh when he is when let no one say when he is tempted here's the the false doctrine i am being tempted by god god wants me to go over there and fight fire with fire for god cannot be tempted by evil that is not no cannot be tempted by evil now this this could become tricky Uh, i cannot be tempted by evil now i can be tempted by evil because i can understand evil i can be tempted by sin or desire because i understand that but name something that i cannot do we could do this jesus was tempted to turn stones into bread that was a real temptation satan says if you're the son of god which means in the greek since you are i know you are the son of god turn these stones into bread Jesus was tempted because Jesus had the ability to do that and he was now in human form. He, was, he could have turned those stones. I cannot be tempted to turn stones into bread. You don't know how many times I've been out getting hungry, you know, and it's like, you know, I might just turn this. It's like, it doesn't even cross my mind. I don't even, I can't even relate to it. I don't even think that. And even if I was delusional, it, it couldn't happen. So there's certain things I cannot do. For example, I cannot smell the color red. Hmm, I like the smell of red. It's like, now are you meaning a particular product that is red that's got, but it's like, that's, you can't, they don't cross. You can't smell only what you can see, for example. And God is in this sphere of being eternal God. And from his word, he created the physical world, the everything, not just physical, every, the spirit, he created everything. Every God is outside of, let's just, again, this is very poor. This is God. God is eternal. He speaks this into existence, which is everything. Ephesians, Colossians cover this. Things that are seen and unseen were created by Jesus Christ, the unseen. 
He is, he is before all things. He created all things. This includes angels. It includes uh, dirt. It includes, watch, it includes time. It's all this space. Where's heaven? It's not here. It's in another dimension. It's like how far, we, like the Russians, they, in the 60s, they went up and they started orbiting the earth. And they, well, there is no God. We've looked and we do not see God. Okay, woo, that solves that problem. It's like, you stupid, you're floating around here. You go anywhere in time and not see God. He, in fact, if this whole thing blew up, if the whole thing just reversed, God would still be there unaffected he's eternal when it says eternal that means he's eternal not just he's always been there eternal means a static state of perfection he is always there i am that i am and he created this box now in this box there is evil evil has arisen talk about free will how that's another whole case evil has arisen in this box but evil is in this box it cannot be if you want to say God has senses, and that's a, be careful, he, you know, he can't see this. He can't smell this. He can't be tempted by this. He's not thinking. He's not up here maintaining great self-control because you know what? At any moment, he could slip in and I could just become the devil. Thank God, God has never sinned. It's like, that's impossible. It's like, thank God, God has never, you know, uh, disappeared. It's like, he can't. The universe can disappear, but God can't disappear. God is, he, he's beyond anything here. And so evil is over here. So what the, James is saying, God is, he can't even process evil. It's, it, it's not like God is resisting evil. It'd be like me resisting turning stones into bread. I've, I've just never done it. I just have never done it. Why? It's, it's never been an option. God has not avoided evil. It's never been an option. It's not like at any moment he could. It's like, no, there's no way he could. He can't do evil. Now, now we got another story here. God, Emmanuel, became flesh, became man. And now you've got Jesus in a fleshly body who is God with us. And now Jesus has been tempted in all ways we are tempted because he has now joined us in this realm and overcome died on the cross to pay for the sins and went back to be with god jesus the man has been resurrected in perfection now again that's another story was jesus it says right there he was tempted in all ways we were tempted he was actually tempted by satan you can say and this is another conversation but i'm breaking it down between god the father or the godhead separated from when god became a physical member of and jesus entered time i mean I mean, that, that is some crazy, I mean, you want to talk, talk about a documentary, you want to talk about a great movie series, the eternal becomes part of time and starts walking in time, moving in time, and when he's done, he leaves and goes back into eternity with a promise, I will come back, take you to be with me. So, again, that's a little bit of an understanding there. Again, uh Point one, the bottom of page one, I just explained where trials and temptations are used as the same word. And then point two on the top of, uh, top of page two is what I'm trying to say. Reasons why temptation cannot come from God. This is why you, according to James, are not being tempted. I'm, I'm not saying it. It's not like, well, you don't think God tempts me. I'm telling you what James says. James says, you cannot say God is tempting me. 
one or point two a god cannot be tempted by evil because god cannot be tempted by evil since he cannot be tempted by evil he has no way of tempting you with evil he can't he can't say ah i'm going to use evil it'd be like me saying oh i can't smell the color red but here you smell it it's like there's no connection there so god can't be tempted by evil he can't say well i can't perceive that but i'll just go ahead and i'll give it to you it's like there's no connection point b not only does god god's holiness resist evil if you want to say that but god's nature does not process or understand or perceive evil and that's what i say it is to him a by nature a non-thing possibly like us being tempted to smell the color or enticed by the sound of a painting you hear, you hear that painting it's like you hear the sound of that painting. but you can't hear the sound of a painting right just like god can't be tempted by evil it's like it, it's not there uh point c god's nature has no moral depravity so there is no basis for temptation and point d thus god himself tempts no one he cannot use temptation and james is going to say yeah but we we're facing this constant temptation okay it's not god first of all god is here and he's telling you to come here he's not over here also tempting you here god's not in both places he's here but well then what is this why are we being tempted why do we think this is a good idea well here's why you think it's a good idea chapter 1 verse 14 but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire so right there look in the greek a man however is tempted your temptation when you are tempted again that's the word that is used earlier for trial when you are tempted you are being it says uh you are being uh enticed and uh drawn away by your own desire you have desire d-i-s-i-r-e desire this is going to be what we call the sin nature and your desire is going to cause you to be uh enticed well that's not that's the second word i'll just say drawn away or drawn out and enticed so here's the you you have a a temptation the reason the temptation will affect you now god is not tempted saint could go up there and throw a desire in front of god it's kind of like satan i can't even hear you i mean in that sense it's like i I don't I, i don't even get this but you you have desire and so you have this in your own nature so by your own desire a temptation comes from the world comes from satan comes from situations comes from your own nature your nature perceives that i mean i'm talking to the choir here you what you all have you experience now again you can apply this in a variety of ways and, and and remember james is talking here about finances and oppression now there's a variety of things that are going to just come up in this i mean this list goes what are the desires and different people have different levels different temptations and things but in this context you're you have a desire to retaliate in this oppressive state it, right here and it says right here uh, uh i'll read the point one temptation is experienced by man by his own desire which is the word epithemius it means desire eagerness for and inordinate desire lust in passionate longing 
So a man has got this passion, this now this word could be used in an appropriate setting. So like, like someone may desire something positive. In this case, it's, a, it's a, a, a passion that's for something wrong. In this case, probably, you know, to retaliate. Uh, comes from the Greek word, you can see there, meaning a longing, compound with the uh, compound epi, means focused. Uh, this is from man's own desire. This, watch this, this list. This desire is man's own desire. It is personally yours. It is not God. It is not another person. It is not a situation. It is not a culture. It is not even the devil. The devil is not even mentioned here. Now, just like God is not, go- God is not going to use temptation, Satan can perceive temptation. Satan will definitely use temptation. But when you're tempted by Satan, it's still your own desire that's perceiving the temptation. Satan may cause, God's not going to send this. Satan will cause this. But in the end, it's like, well, say, you know, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr., the devil made me do it. Was that you used to say in the 60s? The devil made me do it. And it was always funny on a comedy show, Laugh, Laugh In or whatever we were watching. Uh, that's when Sonny and Cher were still like young, but nonetheless, uh, this own desire is is still your own. Satan may use temptation, but you can say no. You can resist this, and so we talk about the three enemies of the Christian: the world, the flesh, the sin nature, and the devil. So you've got the devil, you've got the world system that's in darkness, and the thing is, you're living in the world, and so you are attracted to the world. The devil is using the world and temptation, but the whole communication basis is your own desire. Here it is. Uh, and then it goes on. I want to go down to point two. I'm going to come back to that. Point two on page three. Uh, your own desire, you are drawn out and enticed. So there's temptation. You perceive temptation. You can understand it. And your desire is, ah, I want that. I want to, in this case, I want to retaliate against the oppressors. I want to sell out and start, you know, using the system to make more money. I want to, whatever. Or you can add this all, all down a variety of things. The word dragged away, you can see it in the Greek there, means to draw out or away. Both these terms, drawn out and enticed, are hunting and fishing terms. So basically, temptation is fishing and hunting and using your desire dragged away it means to draw out of the right place it means to draw aside out of the right way so there's a temptation and your passion your desire that is now corrupt is going to want to drag you out of the right you're on the path your desire wants to take you over here this is it's going to be drawn out the word being enticed is to lure and is used to bait, to entice. It's used to bait a hook or to set a trap with bait. This entice is the word bait. It's going to draw you out. You're going down the path. There's a temptation. And your desire, see, ho! Oh, and you see, you pull off the road and you see the bait. There you are. You saw and took the bait it was your own desire if you if you say no i'm not going to do this you would continue 
to go down the right way. It's like, but God, it's like, no, this is not God. And you can't even say it's the world. The world is there. But you've been separated from the world by the word of truth. You are in love, committed in covenant with Yahweh. But there's Satan. You love the Lord. There's, the Satan is nothing. He is the enemy. You have a covenant with the Lord. You are in the word of truth. I've got a sin nature. Yes, admit that. That's important. You have a sin nature. So when you see something, ah, no, I've got a new way. I'm not going to burn it down. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to fight fire with fire. I'm going to pursue justice and righteousness, the nature of God, even at this time in history, because you are born again at this point in history. And it's, it's going to be easy in the next age because you're going to be in that age where of righteousness and justice but you are in the age of unrighteousness and unjustice and to survive you need to be unrighteous and unjust to fight fire with fire james say no you're called to live this way you may not reap the benefits here but you are being prepared for eternity and so you're going to be drawn out because you've got a nature that is a sin nature i fit with this world don't go there because if you go there, you're going to take the bait. Uh, before we go on, I don't want to interrupt the flow, but I do want to read those verses about the word uh, desire. Uh, epithemias, desire, eagerness for, an inordinate desire, lust, impassioned longing. Uh, go to, stay on page three, and I'm going to read them backwards, if you don't mind. These are Paul, verses Paul is using to use the word desire right here by your own desire you're drawn out and baited uh and and again i i want to show you a couple things here as we go through this rapidly it's like a three-week series right here on desire but let's not do that ephesians 2 3 you were dead in the, the transgressions and sins in which you once walked in the world following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air you see right there you see it right there the world the flesh, and the devil. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, but you had a sin nature, the flesh. Following the course of the world, you fit. And following the prince of the power of the air, the God of this age in the dark world, you fit, you had the desire. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind you see the word passions of our flesh there it is the desires of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and again we're not just talking about physical desires it can be emotional mental the whole human nature has been corrupted by the fall and it can be emotional it can be uh whatever illogical all those in all it can be you know, what we'd say, the, the, the physical uh, sins of the body, but it can be sins of the intellect, false philosophies. That's, that's stupid. It only makes sense in a fallen, dark world. That's not reality. So with all those, you used to be here, but you used to follow those desires. It's the same word. But now you've been brought out in the kingdom of light. That's Ephesians. Colossians says something very similar. Going up to reading them backwards, letter G, Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You've crucified that. Now again, not meaning you've got another, that, that's when reckoned dead, and you've got another thing you're connected to. The image could be of a marriage. Uh, this wife is dead, and you've got a new wife. This wife is not, it's like, but 
you still have a sin nature you're still attracted right but you no longer have a covenant with this is separate you've crucified this and you've joined with something new so you you this is not no longer part of you that 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 relationship that covenant has ended you're in a new covenant now can we still like be tempted by this old covenant well yeah i mean that's that's what we're talking that's what james is telling that don't go over here but paul's using that in galatians 5 5 16 james or paul says i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh once again walk by the spirit you keep walking this way you're not going to go over here and be tempted now again you may be tempted but the idea here is instead of going for this bait you continue to walk in the spirit romans 13 3, 13 through 14 let us walk properly in the daytime not in orgies and drunkenness not in sexual immorality and sensuality not in quarreling and jealousy but put on the lord jesus christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires so he says right there do don't not walk over here he gives you a list of this is what the flesh wants to go and again you can say it's it's like orgies and drunkenness and sexual morality but also it's like quarreling and jealousy some of the things are like oh my gosh that's hideous but yet quarreling and jealousy that's like well that's like normal day behavior it's like that's a normal day of being quarreling and jealous with it's like no that's that's the same that's all that is all that connected there the desire don't go there but instead go this way walk in the light going back to page two romans seven seven through eight just interesting uh paul writes what then shall we say and i just threw this in here because it's interesting that the law is sin by no means yet if it had not been for the law the law of moses i would not have known sin i would not have been able to identify the dark world the law was righteous and when it established righteousness it's like so that's all wrong right we used to live over this is where the pagans lived and then the law of moses came for example and says this is what god expects it's like well then we're in totally in the wrong place uh and again we're a christian culture understand i'll say it again we are a christian culture we are a post-christian culture imagine what it's gonna be like when we're all dead in 20 30 40 years 20 50 or 60 um it's like and this whole christian or post-christian culture is gone where is our culture going to be right over here modus operandi this is the normal way of operating it's like and then the law of moses comes it's like what it's like listen we live in a christian culture we do not understand the light that is just naturally in our culture that is fading rapidly go back to the 60s the 50s i mean it it was just not everybody was a christian but everybody went to church so maybe they didn't accept christ but they accepted the standard of morality i mean maybe they didn't like it maybe they tried to work around it maybe they deceived everybody and were still living in darkness of course people were but it's like they still knew i'm in the darkness there's right and there's wrong they maybe didn't even understand jesus christ but that the 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 impression the word of god had made on our culture had a clear distinction this is wrong this is right now we all know you can live right and without christ you're still got a sin nature you can reject christ and say yes but i'm going to do things the moral way especially if your culture's doing things the moral way then that was one of the problems we had in the 50s 60s is people were go back to the 20s go back to the 1800s people were living a righteous life but had rejected christ well your righteous life is not going to save you you are a sinner sinner just 
imitating the works of righteousness because that's what your culture does. You need Christ. Well, we're drifting further and further this way into darkness as a culture, and pretty soon this verse is going to make more sense or could make more sense. What then shall we say, that the law is sin? No, by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. What he is saying is that was the way we operated. I mean, you've got these people that are all living in darkness, you know, just riding on the streets and just, you know, trying to steal what they can steal. If it be in, you know, in farmland, if it be, in, you know, in food sources, I mean, in, in barbaric cultures, wherever, we're just trying to survive. We're going to invade them and steal their stuff. Now we've got it. It's like, then someone comes and says, you know, you really shouldn't take other people's stuff. You should not covet. You should take work for your own. And it's like, nah, I never heard that. It's the difference between Sparta and Athens, if you know that story. Uh, and so the law came, and it's like all of a sudden, you shall not covet. It's like, but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, producing me all kinds of covetousness, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. In other words, I was over here just living, but when the law came, says this is right, also, I realized, man, everything I do is out of covetousness. I mean, I, I try to abuse this situation and, and manipulate this. I try to give the wrong change here. I try to underpay this bill here. I'm always trying to get a little something. I'm always trying to get the edge. It's like, and that's wrong? Oh, my gosh. My whole life is about coveting. And, but before the law, there was nothing wrong. But also now I realize I have a huge problem. Romans 6, 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. And Romans 1, 24, and I'm going to now go, oh, look at the time. Roman, this is Romans 1, chapter 1. I'm just going to go to Romans and watch this. I'm looking at chapter 1, verse 24, but I wanted to read into it. You know about this. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Oh, my goodness. This should not be a two-week message. A, a trained speaker would do much better and do it in 20 minutes. <laughs> Chapter 1 of Romans, verse 21, we're looking at this desire. See, <laughs> desire, you have desire. You're drawn out from the right place or where you should be and enticed by bait in a trap. And this is going to lead to death. Now watch this right here. And this will lead into the next verse. I guess we'll have to pick it up next week. Now this is talking about culture as a whole. But you can see it also would apply to an individual in your own individual life. Chapter 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking, thinking, philosophy, ideas, became futile, became empty, became vain. And their foolish hearts, in their dumbness, were, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Although they knew God, this idea, there are no atheists. There are only people that knew God and suppressed the knowledge. And then they come over here and they create a false philosophy. Ours is called postmodernism, built on secular humanism secular humanism in decay into postmodernism 
and now we got all these and it's like in their futility we think we're wise think of all the things we're doing in our science and in our philosophy and in our in our universities it's like we're so wise it's like you've rejected the knowledge of god and it's like the only reason you think you're wise is you're so dark you're so stupid you're so separated from reality now god does not tempt but remember when sin we're going to read the next verse in james when sin is full grown when sin matures it gives birth to death and that is where god can just god cannot tempt but god can definitely shut off the light god does not tempt but he can definitely say we're done and walk away uh days of noah jerusalem 586 jerusalem 70 a.d god says okay we're done here uh so although they claimed to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images glory that'd be the word of god the truth instead they're going to try to find this glory in mere creation therefore verse 24 therefore because of that because their sin had reached maturity they had not just sinned and come back to the light they had sinned and then develop their sin practice their sin let their sin reach full maturity and now they're producing death it's like okay therefore god gave them over in their sinful desires he gave them over to their desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another they exchanged the truth of god for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised verse 26 because of this god gave them over to shameful lust even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones in the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another oh that's progressivism there this is a very progressive culture no this is a very very dark culture that had said no to god not just said no to god and entered into a false philosophy but they said no to god and then developed it more and more and more into some perfection of sin and here they are and by this time the reason they're here is god has says i'm done he you are not going to control your desires you want that okay i i'm going to let you live you're going to live but you're going to live without the light and he just leaves like american pie father son and holy ghost they took the last train for the coast that's not in the bible but and it's not even the right interpretation of the song but it fits <laughs> uh, in the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women uh, men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion furthermore watch this furthermore since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of god since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of god he gave them over to a depraved mind to a depraved philosophy to false logic to postmodernism, and they embraced it he said go ahead think there are no absolutes right no absolutes come up with whatever you want just create your own reality see how that goes in other words it's not like oh there's a point isn't god's heart broken when he sees people living the way they're living that or they're under judgment and he just gave them he gave it to them it's like hey he gave them over to their depraved mind just keep making stuff up i'm done it's like doesn't that break god's heart no he, he just walked away remember this whole creation can d disappear and god is eternal he's absolute he's he's eternal 
He's unmoved. He's unchanged. It's like, he's fine. He's done all that he can do. And they're, they're walking away. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness. And then we go down to uh, the last verse, of verse 32. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, watch this, but also approve of those who practice them. Not only do they do them knowing it's wrong, they approve, they, they want everybody else to join them. They are e- evangelists of darkness. And uh, now that, that can take place in your, your, your own self. That's talking about a culture. I'm going to read the last verse here, and I'm done on page 3. Then desire, chapter 1, verse 15. Now this is where we've got to pick up next week. And there's a process here, a very simple progress. Then desire that was drawn out and enticed into sin, desire, having conceived, it conceived something. It was, took the bait, so it conceives, and it gives birth to sin. When desire conceives this, it's going to give birth to sin, meaning an act, a rebellion. But then it says, and sin when it is fully grown. Not immediately, but sin when it is fully grown gives birth to death. So you're going to have a desire, you're drawn out, it's going to give birth to sin. But just like you have to endure, but you have to let endurance, hupomone, have its full work so that you can be perfect and, and, and complete. You can't just be hupomone once. I endured. Well, you're going to have to endure every day. You can't just, well, I endured, I've had enough, and I'm done enduring. Well, you're not going to reach perfection, you're not going to mature as a Christian. You're going to have to hupomone every stinking day. Now, vice versa, give way to desire, and desire, when it conceives, give birth to sin. Oh, it's all over. It's over. Well, no, it wasn't complete when you hoopamoned one time, and you're not, like, done when you sin one time. Because, oh, I don't want to go here. You, the Bible is full of confess your sins, repent, come back into the light. But sin, when it is full grown, when it develops and does its full work, it's going to produce death. Just like hupomone is going to produce completeness and righteousness, sin, and you're just going to, you're going to, day after day, you're going to have to live and embrace this false reality, and you'll produce chaos like you've never seen before. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm not, I'm not justifying sin. I'm just saying that's the difference between sinning and going, ah, I failed, and coming back into the light, and sinning and saying, I'm not just going to hoopamone one day. I'm going to finish this Christian life. I'm going to hoopamone all the way to the end. And I'm going to become like Christ. It's going to be tough. Do you think you can do it? I'm going to. And you, and you, you do. You, you complete the work. Well, you're not just going to sin, but it's like, I'm going all the way. And day after day after day, and pretty soon you're so far in the darkness, you're going to give birth to death. Spiritual, physical, social, intellectual, all kinds. Death means separation from life. It's not just dead, but it can be, you know, you're, you've separated from the life and the truth of philosophy, the truth of finance, the truth of science. We're heading there. We're, our culture is going to produce the separation of truth from science. Uh, we're, we're going to the dark ages. We're going, you talk about all, all the ancient cultures that have fallen. I wonder how advanced they were. <laughs> Look how advanced we are, but you understand how far we can fall. Well, not us. Well, Adam began in a garden. But we have cavemen. Adam must have been a caveman. No, no, no. Adam wasn't a caveman. Adam lived in a garden. 
a, a perfect, balanced environment. And he fell into a cave. Mankind fell into cavemen. Well, cavemen are ancient. Now, there's cavemen today. In fact, America is going to be cavemen here in a few decades. Now, you say, well, that can't happen. Well, ancient cultures have fallen. Modern cultures can fall. There is a rock bottom somewhere. Okay, and then when you get there, you won't remember. You won't remember. Okay, I'll pray with that positive note, and we'll be done. Father, I do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We ask that we ourselves personally would take warning and walk in the light as you are in the light, that we would identify our sins and allow the word of God to reveal in us the weaknesses that we have, that we may grow in you. We do thank you for your patience and thank you that we can uh, come out of darkness. We can repent of sin. But Father, we also thank you that Jesus Christ is continuing to lead us and, and guide us into truth for our own sake, but also that, Father, we can proclaim the truth at this time in history, presenting your light to the world in Jesus' name. We thank you. Amen. Thank you for being here.